But I'll get asked this at times, what do you do? And it's interesting to me, it's Christian people, church people actually ask me more than what, I, I have a friend who doesn't go to church, never, honestly has never been in church, not even on Easter and Christmas did this person go to church. And when I, he, I was this is kind of a new friend, I've just been kind of journeying with him, and I said to him, he said, you know, what do you do for a living? And I said, I'm a pastor, and he said, oh man, you must be really busy, you've got a lot to do. And it was kind of interesting to me. So, so some of you have grown up to church and say, what does this guy do all week? Well, if I had an answer of, of the things that I do, um, and then if I could ask, what's, what's your favorite thing that you do? And what one of my answers on the top three, hands down, hands down, is what we're doing this morning. It might be one of my favorites. I absolutely love baptism. Love it. I'm thrilled by it. I mean, it is hands down one of my favorite things to do. What we do this morning is we celebrate. When we full bore celebrate, and you say celebrate, some of you walk in here and you think baptism, you think that celebrate and baptism don't line up. Some of you think, some of you maybe from maybe have a background of a high church or more of a real conservative church, or you look at this service and say, this is to be real religious and real. And I get some of that. I understand that. But what we do this morning is we celebrate. We celebrate new life. We celebrate what it means to be a follower of Jesus, what it means to be a Christian. And what it means to be a Christian isn't, well, they're now going to obey all the rules and they're good people. What it means to be a Christian is saying, listen, they are now followers of Jesus Christ. They are now celebrating the grace and the mercy that Jesus gave them. They, what we're really celebrating is a person who has moved from death, is what the Bible calls it, to life. And it's not something that we can do ourselves. I can't do it myself. We aren't celebrating what these people have done for themselves. We're celebrating what God has done in them and for them. And we celebrate that. More than that, too, we celebrate um, who we are as a church. I want to say that's why some of you say, what's this big, crazy globe up here for? Well, first of all, it's a beach ball. It's, it's a disguised beach ball at that, but it is kind of a beach ball. Um, but it's a globe because the other thing we celebrate, too, is who we are as a church. And as a church and as Christian people, we say, you know what? It's our mission, our call in life. Jesus asked us, those of us who would say, I'm a Christian, he said, go into all the world. So one of the things we're celebrating too this morning is the fact that when these people that we're celebrating this morning, they are now saying, I, am, I, am a, I want everyone to know that I'm a follower of Jesus. Well, the expectation is for us as followers of Jesus is that we're going to go into all the world. Now, we're not being we're going to be like Vicky and go to the Philippines and unreached people group, but maybe we're going to go to New Holland or the places that we work or Lidditz or Lancaster or Reading, and we're going to go into the world. So that's why we want to kind of keep this in front of us as a celebration. Now, I have some slides that normally come up now, but I do believe they're having technical difficulties. So we're going to try and do this without our slides, and hopefully they will jo- those slides will join us in a minute. But um, one of the slides you're going to see was our mission statement. And our mission as a church, our mission as a church. Well, actually, let me, there's a verse we're going to put up, Luke 15, 10. And Luke 15, 10 says this, and you can maybe turn there if you want, but it wasn't going to be in a wall. Uh, Luke 15 is a story. If you're not church, you're not familiar with the Bible, this is one you may know. It's in the context of the story called the prodigal son, a son who kind of wandered off. And, And in the context of that story, Jesus tells of three other things that were lost. And then he says this, he says, there is more rejoicing in heaven with the angels over one, one sinner who repents than all those that are found. He says this incredible statement about this rejoicing. So this morning we hear these stories and we talk, we want to celebrate. Feel free to cheer and clap and, and, and like you would if the Eagles were winning or um, if the Phillies were in, the, in, the, in, in October here, whatever you're, but feel free to just celebrate this morning. The other thing we celebrate is our mission and our mission statement is this, to introduce people to Jesus as a church. It's why we exist, to introduce people to Jesus Embrace them as family and help them to grow. 
Now, where that statement has come from, and you say, well, why is that your mission, Adam? Well, the reason it's our mission is because what we've done is we've just taken Jesus' words at the end of his life, before he's ready to go back to heaven. He's died, he rose again, and he says to his buddies, his disciples, he says, listen, I want you to all go into the world. So we've got a globe and preach Jesus. And I want you to make disciples. I want you to then baptize them. And then he says this final thing. He says, I want you to teach them to obey everything that I've taught you to obey. So that's the mission statement. And that's kind of what um, it is. And so as you think about that statement, and I'm still not clicking, guys. I don't know if you want to. They'll get with it in a minute. I love what they do. And you know what? You know, I always, can we give them a round of applause? I love those guys back here. The only... (laughs) Oftentimes, the only time you ever know them is when something like this happens, but they do a phenomenal job and they're back there working their tails off um, to get this thing back and moving. So, but anyway, so you think about our statement and you say, you know, it's to introduce people to Jesus and you say, there we go. There's Luke 15, 10 that we read that a little while ago. And there is our mission statement. You really look at that. You say, well, Adam, I, what we did is we took that statement of Jesus and we simply tried to put it into the way we would say it today, our words and our culture. And so you think about that and you say, well, I get Adam, the introduce people to Jesus part of the great commission, go into all the world and, and see people come to know Jesus. I get the last part of help them to grow because that's, yeah, we're to do that. We're to all be growing and we're all to be growing up in our faith and teaching people to obey. But where's that middle one come from? Well, the middle one comes from the term baptizing. And so we're doing this morning. So turn with me to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. And we're going to talk about that middle term. Now, if you're brand new to church or brand new to the Bible, first I want to say welcome. This is a brave, courageous step for you to be here. So thank you for being here. Um, If you don't have a Bible... Uh, we would love to get you a Bible. So see me afterwards or see someone out there in that welcome center. You saw it when we went out there and we will get a Bible in your hands or pull your smartphone out. There is Wi-Fi here in the building and you can find your favorite Bible app and find Galatians chapter three there on that. Galatians chapter three. Now the book of Galatians, this is a letter. It's a letter that's written by a guy named Paul. And he's writing to a group of people who lived in the town of Galatia, the region of Galatia is what it's called. So it's called Galatians. I'm writing to the Galatians. Now this letter is all about, it's all about what it means to be a Christian, what it means to, uh, to walk in relationship with Jesus. And what the, the heart of this letter is is really aimed at is to help people understand in that group, in that region, that a relationship with Jesus is not about obeying all the rules. The relationship with Jesus is about faith in Jesus, period. Matter of fact, I would say it this way. If, if, if we would still be writing the Bible today and a letter would get written to Lancaster, it might be this letter. Because this letter is all about a religious culture. This letter is all about a group of people who understand what religion is and understand who God is and understand that God's a holy God and understand that God expects a certain level of standard. And under, they understand that. And it's a group of people who then have gotten kind of mixed up with life and think, well, the reason God accepts me and the reason God approves of me and the reason God says, gives me a high five and says, way to go, Adam. The reason all that is, these people begin to think, is because they obey all the rules. And the writer of the letter is Paul is saying, no, 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 it's got it all wrong. Sure, you'd obey the rules, but it's out of response because you are approved. You are a child of God, not, not the opposite, not to gain that approval. Look at me, verse 26, it says it this way. Verse 26 says, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Incredible statement. 
Now, some of you, if some of you have mod, some, maybe more of a modern translation that I'm reading from or a newer version of the NIV, which I'm reading from, some of you would read that and see you are all sons and daughters of God. One of the things I find interesting is uh, people in our modern culture struggle at times with what appears to be a masculine or a misogynistic, meaning kind of hate women culture of the Bible. And, and modern translations try really hard to make the Bible what would be called egalitarian or classless and showing that, that, that God favors women too and not just men. Because sometimes you read the Bible and say, well, why does he say just sons? Why? But here's the, one of my struggles. The, the, the original language is a masculine term here. And it's sons of God. And I want you to understand how classless the Bible really is. How egalitarian, if you want to use that big fancy word that I don't even know what it means sometimes. Um, but it, to really talk about it, the reason he calls them sons of God is because in the first century, in the culture when this was written, if I was the second born and I had an older sister in my family and my dad were to die and there was an inheritance left to, to us as children, guess who would not get the inheritance? Who could not receive the land? It was illegal. Is my older sister. Even if she's the firstborn. So what this would what, what actually, this is powerful because what the Bible is saying is we're, this isn't about a male female thing. This is stating kind of thrown in the face of everyone in that culture of all of us can be an heir of God can inherit his riches. All of us can, and it comes through faith in Jesus Christ period. If you look over at chapter two, verse 16. The whole letter is about this. It says, here's another reference to it. Verse 16 says, now that a man, know that a man is not justified, meaning made right, made good, kind of saying, hey, you're, you're okay with me. A man is not justified by observing the law, obeying all the rules, but by faith in Jesus Christ, period. So I have faith in Jesus, I'm justified. God looks at me and says, you're good. You're good with me. And you're my son. Now, verse 27 if you have an NIV Bible like I do, you notice the first word there is for. So it's kind of like this is the reason. This is now what this means. It's connecting this faith in Jesus, being in the family of God. And look what it says. For all of you were, what's the word? There's a word. See it? If you're reading with me, baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. We're going to come back to that verse in a minute. Now look at this. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. For you're all one in Christ. If you belong to Christ... Then you were Abraham's seed. Kind of looking back at their culture and their heritage. And heirs, there it is. You, you receive. You're now given something according to the promises. And then chapter 4, which we're not going to read, goes into this incredible family word again about adoption. He's going to adopt you into his family. So that's where we get embrace him as family. Because we believe that when you are a believer in Jesus and you've been baptized in Christ... You are in his family. So let's embrace this family. My kids have kind of figured this out. Um, all of my kids, my youngest, um, have made a decision to say, I believe in Jesus. So what they've kind of figured out lately, we had it last week at one of our dinner tables. One of them actually said to me, hey, dad, you know what? You're my brother. And they looked at my wife and said, you're my sister. It's kind of cool because it's like we're now brother and sister in Christ. We're family. Family. Now, the word baptize is an interesting word. I want to talk about this. This is a misunderstood word. In the new part of our Bible, which we call the New Testament, if you're new to the Bible, it's the newer part of our Bible, written after Jesus. It's this word baptizo. Baptizo. 
And there are two forms of this that you read about in the Bible. And a lot of times these two forms can get mixed up. And people get them mixed. I get them mixed up at times. And I, I, I spend my time studying the Bible as a, as a career. Um, and so I get them mixed up. And the first form is literally baptizos and get wet. I mean, it's an actual physical act of baptism. The second form of baptizing you read about is what's called spirit baptism. Meaning when I accept Jesus, I am baptized in the spirit. Now, I don't want to get lost as to what form this verse is talking about. I want to talk about the heart of this verse. And I don't want to talk about this word. This word is a very interesting word. What the word literally means is to wash, to plunge, to soak, or to dip. Literally. Writers in the first century would say it this way. Maybe they'd describe a military battle where a sink, a ship was sunk. And they would say it was baptizoed. A philosopher writes about his famous pickle recipe, and we have it, and this is non-biblical writing, but he writes about the pickles, and he writes about the cucumber, and what you do with the cucumber is you baptizo it in vinegar. You dunk it. You sink it. So the word literally means to kind of be a man, and then it also carries a figurative meaning. Figuratively, it can mean to be kind of immersed or overtaken with. Like, I am just overwhelmed. Like, I can't believe the Miami Dolphins are three and one this year. This is amazing. I'm a Dolphins fan, if you didn't know. Slip it in everywhere I can. Three and one. I mean, I'm just, I'm overwhelmed. I'm just taken aback. I'm like, this is amazing. This is awesome. So, or maybe something bad happens in life and you say, I'm overwhelmed and I'm baptizoed. I'm immersed. I'm completely taken by this. So it's kind of the figurative meaning. Now with that, then he says this. So you've been immersed. You've been overtaken. You've been in Christ. And then he says this next thing, you've been, you've closed yourselves with Christ. What I want to do before the baptisms is I want to just talk about this clothed term. This clothed term is an interesting term. If you think about clothing, why do we wear clothes? All of you have them on, I believe. Look around here. I don't think I see anyone in here without and probably wouldn't have been let in. People ask me at times, what's the dress code at Bethany? I say, just wear some clothes. We're good, covered up, we're all good. I mean, whether you wear a tie, well, that's cool. Whether you wear, but saying clothes are important. Have you ever heard the statement, clothes make the man or clothes make the woman? You ever heard that statement? Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that what you put on is going to shape your character? Eh, probably not. What I think what they really mean, we really think about that, is the clothes generally tell us something about you. When I look at what you're wearing this morning, when you look at what I'm wearing, it generally says, it could tell me whether you're a boy or whether you're a girl. It could tell me what class you come from or what class you wish you came from. It could tell me who you hang out with. It could tell me what you feel about yourself. It could tell us a lot. Have you ever seen the show on TLC, What Not to Wear? Some of of the women in the room say, woohoo, yeah, I love that show. Um, I don't like the show, but that's cool. But the show, when you read, look at it, they, like I just saw, um, I was, when I was preparing this message, I looked at some of the clips this week, and there was a show where there was like a, a lawyer. She wore, she wore these big baggy clothes all the time. And so she was on the show. And one of the things they talk about is that you wear them because you feel a certain way about yourself. Because you feel a certain way about yourself, you put these on to cover it up. And then because that impacts how you live, it kind of makes the person. So when Jesus says here, let's close yourselves, he says a couple of things, but kind of set the stage for this um, and kind of what we're saying. Here's a video. 
just want to watch this short clip here. This is from the movie, The Pursuit of Happiness, um, where this, a guy comes in for an interview. He's, he's had a rough life, and he's dreaming of this new job, and he has a, he's a single dad now because his wife just left him, and he runs right into this interview, and he barely makes it, and you'll see that he's not dressed for the interview, and watch what transpires. So the truth is, I was arrested for failure to pay parking tickets. Parking tickets? And I ran all the way here from the the Polk station, the police station. What were you doing before you were arrested? I was uh, painting my apartment. Is it dry now? I hope so. Jay says you're pretty determined. Oh, he's been waiting outside the front of the building with some 40-pound gizmo for over a month. He said you're smart. I like to think so. And you want to learn this business? Yes, sir, I want to learn this business. Have you already started learning on your own? Absolutely. Jay. Yes, sir. How many times have you seen Chris? No, I don't know. One too many, apparently. Has he ever dressed like this? No. No. Jacket and tie. First in your class? In school? High school? Yes, sir. How many in the class? Uh, Twelve. It was a small town. I'll say. But I was also first in my radar class in, in the Navy, and that was a class of 20. Can I say something? Um, I'm the type of person, if you ask me a question and I don't know the answer, I'm going to tell you that I don't know. But I bet you what? I know how to find the answer, and I will find the answer. Is that fair enough? Chris, what would you say if a guy walked in for an interview without a shirt on? And I hired him. What would you say? He must have had on some really nice pants. So clothes say something about us. And you can see in that interview, I mean, they had a hard time even getting past what he was wearing. I mean, why should we even hire this guy? As you know, the story, he does get hired. He becomes a success. And it's, it's kind of a heartwarming story uh, and, and how it transpires. But, but it says here in this passage that we are clothed with Christ. So let's think about clothing. Let's mention four quick things that kind of close what it says. I think what it says about our relationship with Jesus. The first one is our primary identity is in Christ. The clothing that you have on this morning, the clothing that we wear, and I kind of already talked about this, is generally kind of a uniform showing the world, showing those around us who I'm identified with, whether I'm identified as a male or a female, whether I'm identified with that group or this group, whether I'm identified with the rich or the poor. When it kind of says, what I put on says, this is who I identify with. So I think when it says we are clothed, we put Jesus on as clothing, it's saying we are to identify with Jesus, not my job, not my how many wife, not my wife, not how many kids I have, not... All that just identify with Jesus. I think the second thing then, the second thing is it talks about is our relationship with Christ is close. If you think about this, you and I don't have a single earthly possession that sticks closer to us than our clothing. Is that fair? I mean, what else is this close to you all the time? 
Now, some of you might have something really valuable that you maybe stick inside your socks or you do something that gets a little closer to you. But generally speaking, your clothes are the closest thing that you own that sticks to your body. So this is a picture of Jesus, I think, closeness with us. He wants a close presence with us. If you think about this too, clothing protect. Clothing protect uh, from the heat. They protect from the cool. This winter, I mean, right now it's very unseasonably warm, but the cold weather is coming. And I'm pretty glad that, you know, we have sweaters to put on. Keeps us warm. When I go hiking, I'm glad that I have pants or shirts to keep insects off of me or briars or sticks or other things that might fly back and snap me. Or when you go to the beach, some of you might wear a hat or a brim to keep, with a large brim to keep the UV rays off you. So clothing stick close to us and they protect us and they, and they, uh, again, it's kind of cool. So Jesus says, I'm close. Practice my presence. I'm here to walk with you, to protect you. I think the third thing is that you see is we are intimate with Christ. We are to imitate Christ. Close with him, intimate, and then imitate him. Have you ever heard of the term uh, dress for success? You know, studies show that, that how you dress says a lot about what you think about yourself. And what you think about yourself will greatly impact how you behave and what you do. So when it's term dress for success, it doesn't mean if I put a suit and a tie on, suddenly I'm going to perform better, but it's saying how we dress says something about what we think about ourselves. So for example, one of the reasons I don't always tuck my shirt tail in, you know why? I'm going to be really vulnerable. You know why I don't always tuck my shirt tail in? Because I'm a little overweight. So if I don't tuck my shirt tail in, you don't see the extra stuff hanging out. You know, I'd let it hang out. It kind of goes straight down. You look at me and say, see, he's really got that big buff chest and it just, he's really, so if I tuck it in though, So again, how I dress is saying something at times about what I feel about myself and what I feel and what I think about myself and what you feel and what you think about yourself goes a long way to what you're going to do in your life and with your life on a day in and day out basis. So when we're told to dress, we're told that we are, those of us who are Christians, you put on Jesus as clothing, we're told to imitate Christ. And, and again, it should very much dictate how we live our lives. More than that, you know, my kids... My youngest is three, and in her bedroom um, is this toy chest. And in the toy chest is tons, all kinds of dress-up clothing, old Halloween costumes and things we've picked up at Goodwill or yard sales. And, and we've got in that thing, we've got princess uniforms. We've got, you know, I shouldn't say uniform, but princess dresses. We've got, we've got G.I. Joe stuff in there. We've got Superman. We've got um, Spider-Man. We've got Batman. We've got Little Mermaid. We've got Snow White. And what are your, have you ever seen your kids or kids, what do they do when they put these things on? They slap on that Superman cape and suddenly they're bounding down the steps like they think they can fly. Or we have the thing from the Fantastic Four and he's got these big muscles all. So he put it on. Suddenly our kids are like these, these animals that can just punch through walls. And it's like suddenly things start flying around our house. It's because they put something on that they're saying, look at me. Or when our little girls put on these fancy gowns and these big white gloves and their big high heels and they suddenly walk around and they love when daddy comes in and says, you are so pretty. You're my little princess. And, and what they wear begins to shape what they do. It's amazing. So it's like Jesus says, you've put me on, imitate me. I'm close with you, imitate me. The fourth thing is, and I think this one's probably um, a big one. We are acceptable to God. Clothing, it's the most basic purpose of clothing. Clothing cover over your nakedness. It's why you put them on. 
the series we just came out of, we just went a series, we were studying Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3. And we have this character named Adam and this character named Eve, who it says at the end of their, at the end of chapter 2 in Genesis, if you go there and read, right, the very end of this perfect world that God created, it says they were naked and felt no shame. Chapter 3 comes along then, and they make a big mistake. They do something that God asked them not to. They take some fruit from a tree, they eat it, and now suddenly they have sin in their lives. And it says in chapter 3, I think it's verse 7, verse 21, it says, suddenly they realized, they looked at one another, and they realized they were naked, and then it says this, they had shame. So they go and they did, they made Ralph Lauren jealous and they put together these incredible fig leaf uniforms and outfits and they put them on to cover themselves up. That's what they're doing. They're covering over their nakedness because they're ashamed. They now feel dirty and they feel bad. And then God steps on the scene and God kills an animal and covers them over because sin is required to shed blood. It's ugly, it's nasty, it's gruesome. So he kills them and covers them over with, with this nice leather outfit. But it's covering them up. And as I think about this, and I think about what clothes are, is when God looks down at us, when he looks in, here's what it says. When he looks in, he looks at us, and he sees himself. He sees his son. So God looks in, and he looks at Adam Nagel, because Adam Nagel's a believer in Jesus. He sees us as his son, because he sees his son, because I'm wearing Jesus. I've been immersed in Jesus. So God looks down at me and says, man, Adam, yeah, you've blown it. You're a sinner. You've got problems. You've got junk in your life. But you know what? When I look down at you, I see a person who is righteous because I see Jesus and Jesus is righteous. I see a person who is blameless because Jesus is blameless. I see a person who is holy. I see a person who is okay with me, who's acceptable and approved because I see Jesus. That's what I see. And that's the message of Christianity. That's the message of baptism. I've been immersed. I've taken Jesus on into my life. And he has transformed me. And when God now looks at me, God sees Jesus. Doesn't see Adam, Joe, Mary, Susie, whoever you are. He looks and sees Jesus. So we celebrate this. What we're really doing this morning is celebrating people who are going public. People who are standing. This is a courageous and bold thing to do. But there are people who are standing up and saying, listen, I want everyone to know that I'm a believer in Jesus. As a matter of fact, I think if baptism, if, if we had technology back in Jesus' day, baptism may not look a little different. Jesus might have said, um, take a Facebook page out or a website or get it on the local news. But get out there and get public. The Bible does not entertain private Christianity. Remember, it's interesting to me, Jesus at one point says, if you can't, if you're a follower of me and you can't open your mouth about me with other people, you're probably not a follower of me. So baptism is, it's just standing up and saying, I'm going public and I'm showing the world what's already taken place inside of me. And that is, I'm a new believer in Jesus. I'm a person that is a Christian. Another way to say this, this is how I do it with kids. When we have what we do is every person that gets baptized, we have this thing called a baptism class. And they come in and we kind of go over what baptism is and what it isn't. And, and we talk about, we really want to stress that this is not getting you closer to God. You're already close to God in Jesus. This is just showing the world what you've already done, going public. And so what I also will do when there's kids in the room, and there were kids in the room this time, and I'll say, do any of you play sports? And this time we had one of the kids that stuck his hands and say, I play sports. And I say, when you play sports, what do you put on? And almost always the answer is, I put on a jersey. And I say, why do you put on a jersey? And they say this, to let them know I'm on the team, to identify with the team. And that's what baptism is. It's people standing up and saying, I'm putting a jersey on. It's kind of like me. <laughs> I got to do this. 
They haven't been three and one since 12 so years ago. I've had a lot of losing years to endure. It's like me putting a jersey on and saying, I'm on the team. I'm a Dolphins fan. And this year, I'm really proud to let everyone know I am a Dolphins fan. So what people are doing is they're coming up here and they're saying, I am proud to let you know that I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm on the team. I'm going public, letting the world know I'm a follower. So that's what we're celebrating. Now, you're going to hear their stories. You're going to hear lots of really cool stories this morning, heartwarming stories. I want to share one with you. This person isn't going to be getting baptized this morning, but it's a story that happened in my life recently. It's a, someone that I would consider a friend and someone that I um, know and have known for a little while now. And someone I've been walking with and someone who did not know Jesus as their personal savior. Someone who was not a Christian. Now, this was someone who grew up in a church. He grew up in a church all his life. And he did what the church told him to do. And he obeyed all the rules and he did all the good things. And he said, and he, and he really worked hard at life. And his life was incredibly successful because of it. I don't want you to miss that. He obeyed the rules and he had a really good life. He had a lot of money. I mean, he just had the things that most of us would say, that's a really good life. He was a good guy, a really good guy. And what I like to do with people like this is I, as I walk with them and, and, and just share life with them. Is what I like to do is I like to talk about a line. I do this a lot. And this is a friend of mine. I said, listen, if you were to die today, where would you go? Where, where would happen to you? He said, I'd go to heaven. I said, why would you go to heaven? He says, because I, and he filled in all the stuff that he does. I said, so is that what makes you acceptable before God? He says, yeah. I said, so what happens if you don't do that? He pauses and thinks for a while. And this is the journey I've been walking with him for a while. And he thinks for a while. And he says, well, I don't know. I guess I may go to a place called hell. I, I don't know. So I said, when do you know that you're good enough? So what I do is I like to talk about a line. I said, there's this line. I said, you've worked so hard and you're right up to the line, but you need to cross the line. And crossing the line means acknowledging that I cannot get myself into relationship with God. I can't do it on my own. I need help. I need outside help. And it's in the person of Jesus. My life must be found in Jesus. So we talk about this. And we've been talking about this for a while now in Journey. Well, four weeks ago, he's, he was in, our, in the area. He knew I'm in this area, so he was in the area. And he says, hey, can we have lunch? So we get together and have lunch. And he wanted to have lunch with me because his life had fallen apart. Things had just crashed, and he was suffering. He was hurting. There was some bad stuff that took place. And, and he, was, he was a broken man. And we're sitting there, and I'm, I shed tears with him. I hurt with him. I, I just felt bad. And after a while, I, God kind of challenged me to say, let's talk about the message of Jesus again. So I looked at him in the eyes and I said, is it possible that those things that were taken from you were things that were, you were finding your identity and your worth in? That you were looking to for life, to make you someone? He said, yeah, that's absolutely what they were. I said, here's the deal. The message of Jesus is that you find your identity in him, your worth in him. He's who make you valuable and acceptable for God. So I talked about that. I said, Pot, I think what you were doing is looking to find life in things outside of Jesus. So I didn't know what kind of impact it made. We, we talked about some other things. He left. Two weeks later, I got an email from him. And here's what he says. I would think it was at Walmart or somewhere, and I felt the little buzz in my phone, and I, I, I know I shouldn't do this, but I always you know, carry work with me everywhere, right? So I, I open it up, and I look, and I, I had to open it because all I see is I crossed the line exclamation point, like 15 of them across the subject line. So I open it up and he tells me this incredible story and it doesn't fit within the box of my theology, but it was so cool. I was like, this is amazing how God works. What he was, he was out in a walk and he was out in a walk looking up at the stars one night. And we just talked about in our series, how the stars and the created world reveals God. And he's talking up and he just starts talking to God. He basically says to God in this email, he says, 
God, I know you're out there. I give acknowledge of that. And I want to cross the line. I want a relationship with you. How do I do it? He's crying out to God. And he says he hears this audible voice speak from heaven to him. And he's, all he heard was Jesus. So he comes and he places his faith in Jesus. And then he, we, so we're talking about this. And here's what he sent to me uh, a week ago, a week and a half ago. I'm going to read this to you. And you're going to hear other stories like this. This is just going to prime the pump for him. But he says this, hey, I don't know why all this happened. I don't know why this happened now, referring to the stuff, the bad stuff that happened in his life. But nevertheless, I know that God has a plan for me. I wish so badly that I was able to jump over the line and truly believe in Jesus as my Savior. Now, I never told him, I never used the word Savior. I think that word sometimes mixes us up. But I never, but he, he, he now knows Jesus has saved me. But I just never could. Then he says this, I've been reading the Bible, going to church, praying a lot, talking to God but most importantly, knowing that he saved me. It's funny, Adam, things really change a lot when you find him. I don't know if you ever remember your, and he puts in quotes here, dark days, but it's funny to think how much clearer everything looks. I'm truly blessed for everything that I have, and I'm committed to furthering myself as a Christian. Now, when I heard that, I celebrated. I was like, yes, yes. It's why we live and it's why we exist as followers of Jesus, to bring glory to God and bring others along with us. Now, I don't always get to see the fruit of that. I don't always get to see people cross that line. But I'll stay faithful to that message. And I, when I see it, I'm like, yes! And here's what it does for me. And here, well, you're going to hear stories. They're going to come up on this stage. You're going to hear someone else read their story. They're going to stick a pin on that card that, that indicates, and they're going to write some things on what God has forgiven them for. And they're going to get in this one. You're going to hear their story. But here's what I love about stories. When I hear stories like that and my, that friend of mine, here's what they do for me. They strengthen my own personal faith. They strengthen my faith muscles. Say, this, is what, this is the mission that God has called us to. This is what life is about. And it helps me say, I can live my life. I can do this too. It brings me back and centers me on it. What really matters is Jesus, period. And I get my life so mixed up with other stuff. And this just re-centers me. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And I love just celebrating. So I encourage you. I'm going to pray that we're going to hear these. You're going to watch a short video. Then you're going to hear these stories. But when they come on stage and they get up out of the water, feel free like you would if you were, I know, Dolphins fans. It's hard for some of you to imagine. You know, you are, some of you are Eagles fans. They, they are a shade of green, so it's not too far of a step, right? But just like you would if you're watching the Dolphins score a touchdown this afternoon against the Baltimore Ravens. And you're going to throw your hands up. Sorry, Ravens fans. You're going to throw, you say, yes, I love it. Allow it to strengthen you. And if you're here this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus. Again, I told you earlier, welcome. It's a courageous place to be. And all of it is simple saying, I believe in Jesus. I'm a sinner. I know God exists. I need Jesus. And you can become a child of God too. God, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you for these five people that we're going to celebrate with. Thank you for their families that love them or those that are sitting here with them or those from the church that have walked with them those that have played a role in their life, thank you so much. And God, we celebrate, we celebrate this. Thank you for the life we have in Jesus. Thank you that we are baptized, spiritually baptized and immersed in Jesus and we're able to wear your clothing. So that when you look down at us, you see Jesus. You don't see Adam and all his rags, but you see Jesus. And when you see Jesus, you say, welcome home. You're accepted and you're approved. God, may we celebrate. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.